Welcome to this podcast. I'm Hillary Kwiatek, your host and Lehigh University's Employee Communications Specialist. The podcast is Lehigh University Human Resources podcast designed to celebrate and share the stories of our employees. Lehigh employees perform a diverse array of jobs, from keeping the lights, heat, and technology running smoothly, to setting up chemistry labs, to raising money needed to fulfill the university's vision and mission. So part of this podcast will be finding out just what it is that people do. Everyone who works at Lehigh took a different journey to arrive at their career here. We want to share some of those journeys with you. We'll also learn about how employees weave together their work and lives on campus and after hours. We hope you'll find learning more about your colleagues as inspiring and entertaining as we have. So let's see who we spotted today. Today, our guest is Jason Schiffer, Chief of Police at the Lehigh University Police Department. And uh, we're going to call you Jason or Chief? What do we call you? Jason's great. Okay, Jason, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, So, you know, here on the Spotcast, we invite in employees who work at Lehigh um, and uh, ask them what they do and... We'll just kind of take it from there. So are you are you ready to go? Ready to go. Okay. So um, full disclosure, I've known you for a number of years before you came here, um, back when you were police chief in Bethlehem, and right. we met on Twitter. Yes. So Twitter, Bethlehem Twitter, Lehigh Valley Twitter. Um, but so I know that you have had a very long and winding road to get to Lehigh. Um, can you give us a little bit of the Reader's Digest version of how you ended up here? Did you always want to be a, a police chief? Because this is the second time you're a police chief now. So. <laughs> Do I want to be one now is the bigger question. <laughs> no, um, no. I uh, started my um, schooling in computer science at the University of Pittsburgh. Never once thought about law enforcement or certainly rising through the ranks of law enforcement and, and ending up where I am now. Um, it was definitely a twisty road to get here, but, um, I served briefly in the Marine Corps, uh, in the early 1990s, uh, for the first Persian Gulf incident. And, um, that really changed my outlook in the world. Um, uh, and I had, had been working in, you know, the kind of the tech sector and, um, uh, that experience, changed what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And that's what led me to law enforcement, the uh, uh, the desire for public service to be uh, essentially feeling like I'm part of something greater than myself and, and contributing to society. Um, and I, at least at the time, and I guess I still do feel that law enforcement was the, the best place that I could do that. So you started in the Pol- Bethlehem police force? Was that the first police force you Yes. Joined? Yeah. And uh, took the tests like in 1993 and started there in uh, February 94. And how long were you in in the force there? I how worked there for 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Um, and so over the course of that time, you were not just an officer, obviously. But tell me a little bit about, um, you know, how you – what kind of policing you were doing and then sort of how you ended up – I mean – Spoiler alert, you ended up chief of, chief of police in Bethlehem. <laughs> yeah. so. um, well, I spent my first uh, five years in steady night shift uh, as a patrol officer working in various parts of the city, mainly on the south side. And, um, and then I had a desire to become a bicycle officer. It just seemed like the really cool thing to do. Um, little did I know that, again, would really change the way I felt about policing And uh, because our, our full-time bike officers in the city were uh, the community police officers. And I was selected for that um, unit and was uh, assigned to the south side, Five Points area, and the area all surrounding Lehigh University was 
you know, where I worked every day. And uh, I served there for quite a few years, trying how, to remember. <laughs> how, I have to ask, since you said, how did it change your attitude or your, your beliefs about policing? That's a great question. The, the, night, uh, the night shift experience, you only get to really see a certain side of society, and it's not always a good one. You know, I've often said there's certain people out at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're usually either delivering the newspaper or sometimes you're up to no good. <laughs> uh, when I got the experience of being a community officer, I got to see an entirely different side of our community. And, and specifically here on the south side, uh, you know, the, the business owners, the, 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 the people who took so much pride in their, in their home and their neighborhoods and would come to block watch meetings and were, were partners with us to try to continually improve, um, you know, the entire neighborhood. So it, it was heartwarming. It was great to, to feel appreciated. It, it was a great experience overall. So, uh, you know, just working with the business owners and the, and the people in the community. So I guess it gave me hope that there are still some great people here on this I, earth. I could see where, <laughs> where being a police officer could make you a cynical person if you, if you didn't have that yeah, experience. Yeah, we definitely have the danger of going down that path because you, you're just really every experience we have is negative. Even for good people that we would encounter, usually the only times we encounter them are the worst days of their lives for one reason or another. It doesn't mean that they were doing something wrong, but just an overwhelming amount of negativity, yeah. Um, and with the bicycle, I mean, I remember when my kids were younger, they thought that the bicycle police officers, that was cool, right? That they, you know, and you used to go to the skate plaza, for instance, or whatever. So it, was, it gave you a, it gave you a tool to interact with young people in a in a positive way, with, also. Yeah, without a doubt, that was the the thing that would allow the the conversations to start, especially if you, you know, like the skate park, like you mentioned, or hanging out. And um, I was always really into bikes, raced bikes when I was younger, raced BMX bikes. And, um, you know, if you could show up in the neighborhood where the kids were riding around, either jump on their skateboard or ride wheelies around, you know, that broke down all those barriers between, you know, and now kids would come up and, and talk to you that would never talk to a, a cop, you know, so that was really positive. You didn't uh, just stop your education um, when you became a police officer. You you continued your education, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I thought a cop should know something about criminal justice. So I went back to college at DeSales. Uh, they have a, this evening program specifically for working adults. And I, they had a really good um, criminal justice program. So I went there. And that experience being um, taught by a lot of practitioners, uh, there were judges or retired judges or retired FBI agents. Um, there was a homicide detective from Philadelphia. People like that really um, kind of brought out in me a desire to, to seek a higher degree and potentially teach at, a, at another por uh, part of my life. I don't know. And so, so did yeah. you? So you so you got your you finished a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, justice yeah. and then went on to law school. Law school while yeah. you're while you're working <laughs> full time. Yeah, I had a pretty interesting. I, I was promoted to sergeant, and I was put in charge of that community police unit, the bike unit, and it was one of the rare assignments on the police department that had a relatively steady schedule. So that allowed me to work during the day here in Bethlehem, and then drive to Philly four nights a week, and then go to school. So that would go until like, so I worked 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then 
school would start like at six at night and go to ten forty-five at night, and I'd get home around midnight-ish and then study till like two thirty in the morning and get up at five thirty and do it all over again. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't. Like, how did you do that? I don't understand. Do you like, look back at it now and go, "How did I do that?" No, I I, I kind of miss it. In a weird way, I, I loved law school. Like that, just that the interaction, the you know, the livelihood being put on the spot by professors, and it was it was fun in a sadistic kind of way. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know if I would do it again. But yeah, I kind of miss it. Uh, once you start something like that, like you know, you're kind of in it. You don't. I remember after my first semester, telling my wife, like, if I made it through, if my grades are okay. And I made it through. There's nothing that's going to stop me from finishing this because, you know, you don't want to waste that type of effort, you know. So I figured once I was one semester in, I'm all in. <laughs> so so you finished your law degree, but you were still a cop. You sure. St- and then how did you end up chief of police? That's a great question. <laughs> um, so I was promoted to lieutenant the day after I graduated from law school. And then I started working um, on a rotating shift. In, you know, in the city, I was in charge of a platoon. And then I worked part-time at a law firm in downtown Bethlehem uh, representing um, – uh, it was an employment discrimination law firm. So I was representing individuals who were victims of discrimination in the workforce. Uh, so I would do that. I essentially, just continued the whole law school insane schedule. I'd work as a lawyer during the day and then as a cop, middle shift or, or things like that. <laughs> That's amazing. And then eventually you became chief. Yeah. And then, I mean, I kind of planned that that's what I was going to continue doing uh, through the rest of my career, retire from the from Bethlehem after 20 years of service and um, just continue being a lawyer. And then I was invited to apply for the position of deputy commissioner, which is the same as deputy chief now. The titles have changed. but uh, And that really changed everything for me you know when someone invites you to apply for a position I guess you don't overlook it and then you know went through the process and was selected and that really changed everything um so after a few years of so you retired I'm just going we'll 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 speed ahead a little (laughs) bit um so then you did become chief of uh Bethlehem's police department and then you you left you retired like you said you were going to retire um and then you you took up actually practicing the law full-time right and so you were doing that for a while, but now you're here. So <laughs> what happened? Yeah, uh, I did that for about four and a half years, and it, it was it was good. I guess I didn't realize how much I missed the community interaction. Again, that what drew me to law enforcement 25 years ago, I ended up really missing um, that interaction with the community and kind of like what I have the opportunity to do here on campus, um, getting out and you know, meeting with students, interacting with faculty and staff and feel like I'm part of something bigger than just me. Uh, Or, you know, there there was something that was really special about representing clients and advocating for people who couldn't advocate for themselves. And, you know, so there was something really uh, satisfying of standing in court and representing somebody else. But that was a very small part of what it is to be a trial attorney. Um, and I guess I craved this more than than that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you heard that <clears throat> we were uh, we were going to be looking for a chief, and you applied, and here you are. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, 
anybody who's been here long enough knows that the shoes you stepped into um, were had been held for a very long time by someone, right. um, Chief Ed Shope. Um, so I'm just wondering, what is it like taking over a role that's so closely associated with one person for literally decades? What is what does that look like? That can be a challenge, especially since I didn't work here and get to experience what that looked like. A lot of it was kind of feeling out what's expected of me in this position, what people would like to see in this position that maybe they didn't see before. Um, and so there's a lot of kind of feeling my way through to see how I fit in or do I fit in um, or what, you know, what can be done with this role? Because, yeah, it's he was here for a long time. And that transition is more difficult when you're coming from the outside, I believe. I did a lot of listening in the beginning uh, before it made any changes or you know, made any moves until you try to get a, you know, a feel for the temperature. What, what is the climate like internally and externally? So there, there are two definite distinct spheres in this job, you know, certainly, you know, taking care of, like you mentioned, the officers and what they're looking for and what they want. But then the rest of the campus community as well has a, an, perhaps an entirely different perception and expectation and desire for for what they want out of our office. What, what do you think they they want? I mean, that's a big they, obviously. <laughs> yeah. You've got students, you've got administration. You know, what are their expectations of a, of a, of the police department, do you think? Yeah, that is a big day. Um, I mean, I think generally speaking, people want to feel safe when they come to school, come to work. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a nebulous concept. You know, w what exactly is going to provide that that feeling of, of security uh, while you're here? I think they want to feel that they're, they're trusted or that they're respected and like that everyone's view has, a, you know, an, a, the ability to be heard. Um, I think from my position, I have an obligation to to be honest and truthful in in everything that I can, uh, in any way that I can, in all my interactions with with the campus community. You know, unfortunately, sometimes there I, I need to say things that people don't want to hear, but I have to you know be be true and and be honest with them. What are some of the ways that you're um, helping people feel safe on campus? What are some of the things that you're doing? Sure. I mean, I think one of the biggest things we're, we want to do is be available and just be out in the community and have people feel comfortable calling us and or, or sending an email or, or whatever means they use to, to, to contact us that, and knowing that we're here to assist them in every way. I think our mission in a university setting is different than in a uh, municipality. So we serve a different clientele. And if it weren't for the university, we wouldn't exist. So our mission should be aligned with the mission of the university. We are here for the success of the students. And I think essentially as all of us are, are here for, for their success. So continually like putting that message forward in everything that we do, I think is something that helps to build that trust over time so that when there's something that's out of the ordinary when there's a suspicious incident or when there's somebody that needs help that 
none of our population, especially our students, ever hesitates to call us because they know that we are going to do what we say. And when we tell people that we are here to help them, and if you're in trouble to call us, we're not going to show up and double-cross them and betray that trust. Uh, you know, so I think that has to be built over time, and we need to demonstrate that time and again until that trust is built. And I don't think that ever ends. I don't think we ever get to build that trust, partly due to the revolving population that we serve. So I think every year, 25% of our students or more, if you're counting graduate students, then, um, you know, is a new population. So we need to demonstrate that and build that trust with a whole new group every year. What do you think maybe is the biggest misperception or something that people who either work at stu- or study at Lehigh uh, get wrong or don't understand about LUPD, about you guys? I still think no matter how many times that we try to express why we're here and what we do, there there's definitely a, a good amount of people that don't believe us and they think that we're still sneaking around trying to catch people doing things wrong. Um, and I guess that's natural. Uh, you know, I, I completely understand that. Um, trying to impress upon them that it, they largely hold the keys to the outcome of almost any interaction we may have with them, whether or not, you know, no matter what they may have been doing, I mean, it's serious types of crimes aside, but, you know, our, our normal interaction, you know, if, if we ask questions and we get the answers that we're looking for, like, again, I mean, we obviously encounter quite a number of people who are under the age of 21 who have been consuming alcohol. And, um, you know, but if it's being done in a responsible manner and people aren't acting up and hurting other people, hurting themselves or destroying property, um, we have a lot of those interactions where we don't bring any sanctions, uh, you know, upon those people. We don't arrest them and uh, we make sure that they're safe and, you know, that, we're, we're looking out to make sure that they get where they're needing to go in a safe way. Sometimes those interactions don't go well. And from our perspective, that's always because of the way that, you know, the students interact. Either, you know, they're lying to us about who they are or, or what was going on or what they were doing or they try to run and, you know, things like that. And it's just like, look, look we're just trying to make sure that you're safe. And, you know, that's – it's understandably – difficult because I think there's a, you know, they don't want to believe that what we're saying is true, you know, and I, I'd like to think that time and time again, we've demonstrated that, but that doesn't, you know, not everybody knows that. We've talked a little bit about this, but what do you like about your job? Just the job and especially doing it here at Lehigh. You, you were a police officer for a long time, but what is it that doing it here at Lehigh Yeah, um, got you to jump back in? <laughs> I love about law enforcement that it's different every day. It's, um, you know, really, I have no idea what the day is going to look like depending on what, you know, what happened last night or what, you know, what goes on, what calls or, or uh, things we have during the day. Um, <clears throat> here at Lehigh, I think it's, again, what I alluded to earlier, the, the interaction with students. There is such a positivity in this environment. You know, the higher education, everybody that's here is looking to to do something. They're looking to achieve something, looking to, looking to better themselves, achieve some type of goal. And just being around that type of energy to me is very, 
desirable. I, lo I love it. Um, so, you know, when I get to go out and talk to the student groups, like you can just feed off of that positive energy. And that same thing goes for the, the faculty and staff that I, I get to interact with, too. I, you know, again, like all kind of working towards that same mission, the education of students and, you know, their success to me is it's pretty cool. And I get to ride a bike around, you know. Jason Schiffer, thank you so much for being on the Spotcast. We really appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much for having me. The Spotcast is a production of Lehigh University Human Resources. Our producer is Emma Dillon. The podcast is recorded in Lehigh's audio recording studio in Mountaintop Building C. Special thanks to Jarrett Brown of Library and Technology Services for technical assistance. I'm Hilary Kwiatek. Join us next time to see who we spot.